1: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Throughout the course of this tea break, I've got sat opposite me, the Federal Sports and Aged Care Minister, Annika Wells. Hello, Annika.
0: Good to be with you. How are you? Great to have
1: you <laughs> back on the program. We had you here, it was at Brisbane last year during... Gabba Test. Yes, Gabby, and I think you were on air for about four wickets, so we can't give that to you now because there's no play, so no action as such. Can't have you call the ball as we thought you might, but...
0: My aspirations of commenting and over a in peril as we look out across the
1: skies <laughs> this is a, a regular fixture for politicians the sydney test match has been for a long stretch of time and now that it marries up with the the campaign around the McGrath foundation and the pink test and the federal government has a stake in that
0: absolutely we are now contributed more than 40 million dollars to the mcgrath foundation in order to get an extra hundred uh, all cancer care nurses on the ground with people in australia fighting cancer um, but i think you know we'd all say one of the great one of the great institutions in Australian sport is the social enterprise partnership between the McGrath Foundation and the cricketers and the pink test
1: in particular. So, the Prime Minister's in town at the G- SCG again tomorrow? I for, heard a rumour. For yes. the formalities yes. and all the rest of it, the morning tea and so on. So, that, that'll include you know, federal government investment, state investment, and it's made this a real a, a test match that stands out in the calendar each year where lots of people get involved in it who ordinarily wouldn't. Absolutely.
0: I and mean, when you see these big burly men wearing their hot pink polos with their cricket hat, you know, you know that there's been real impact, and that's a tribute to Glenn. I think he said he'd done 17 of these yep. when I saw him the other day. Um, and for him still to be able to deliver the kind of dividends he is, you know, additional money from the federal government this year, shows the power of his impact.
1: So I mentioned you're the federal sports minister and aged care. There is some, like, nice crossover between cricket and aged care. Not just with you, but with the chairman, Mike Baird, as well.
0: There is. I think Mike Baird and I hold the um, illustrious privilege of being the two people in Australia who have aged care and sport as their day jobs. Right. And Mike, obviously, I think by this time last year, we knew he was coming on board as chair of Cricket Australia, but he hadn't taken over yet, I think and uh next year well this year this year we lose him as ceo of hammond care he's stepping down in the second half of the year so it's a unique window to have the two of us um try and make the most of this venn diagram
1: nice one yeah it sounds good to me so 2023 was a huge year for Australian sport in many ways. You were quite present throughout the Matildas campaign in the football. I mean, what are the highlights? Because you get to see so much in this job. It is the dream gig in many ways. Ah,
0: so many people told me that the day um, that I was uh, told that I would be the Minister for Aged Care and Sport. I think, it, I mean, I'll never have a job. I'll never have a job like this again. Mm. Everyone asks me why I have a Minister for Aged Care and Sport. And the, the boring bureaucratic answer is they both sit under the Department of Health. They're two major um, departments within the Department of Health. So, in terms of organisation, that's, that's what makes sense. But if you think about the opportunities of sport and aged care, we've got the World Masters Games coming to Australia in 2029. Okay. So, when you think about how you want adults to participate in sport, you want parents to want to take their kids out on the weekend. When well, we talk about Brisbane 2032, and I'm sure we'll get to it, we because will. people have been hitting up me up about it non-stop today. <laughs> um, everyone dreams of having their kid on the podium at Brisbane 2032 Olympic or Paralympics, and the average Olympian is uh, the average Olympian is 23, which means that current 14-year-olds across Australia are our cohort mm-hmm. of, of of average podium getters for Brisbane 2032. But I think. We could also ask their parents to aim for the World Masters Games in Perth in 2029. And if that means getting back involved in their code of choice or whatever, and participating socially and getting the health dividend of that, well, that helps everybody as well.
1: Interesting you describe that that age breakdown, so 14-year-olds, 15-year-olds who can aspire to be Olympians. Similar thing happened with Sydney 2000, didn't it? Winning the Olympics in 1993 and the the seven-year run-up in Australia doing so well at 2000 and, and 2004. Did you get tested? Uh, no, I did not. I got tested. I oh, did you now?
0: We're of a similar age, we I think. Yeah, I think we're um, the same age, yeah. So I got tested. The the, the people came out and um, took us into the school hall and made us do jumps and the beep test ah, and, right. and all that kind of jazz. Well, they and... weren't
1: chasing cricketers back in 1995. <laughs> they might be for the next Olympic Games giving crickets in there. We, we'll come to that as well. But just in, in relation to what the Matildas achieved last year and yes. uh, the boost that will presumably give women's sport eventually, but in the short term, girls taking up sports like football or indeed like cricket, where that wouldn't have been the case a generation ago.
0: Yeah, and we knew from what had happened with the English Lions the possibilities of hosting a World Cup and hosting a home tournament and having that, um, and if you could win it, you know the, the dividends that they saw in Great Britain as a result of that. Um, I think Football Australia was preparing for a 15% uplift. England got a 40% uplift in female participation off the back right. of the World Cup. Um, everybody would know that our fields are teeming with people and there are wait lists for people who want to get involved. But I think as the sports minister, what worries me is not the lack of interest or the people watching it on the screen wanting to be the next Courtney Vine, playing the Peninsula Power, getting involved. It's They have to have a good experience once they get there. Mm -hmm. And the worst thing is that if you get a little girl who wants to come, her parents have the money to pay for the registration, they go into the club and she has a poor experience where there's no change room or the fields that she works on are you know trodden with mud, there's no lights, they get they get stuck down the end and and, and she doesn't have a positive experience. She doesn't come back. Mm -hmm. And it's much harder for her, for that club or any other sport to get that girl back and participating. And we know from all the research we do over at the Australian Sports Commission um, that 13, 14 is the big drop-off for girls. And once they stop playing, they don't come back. So, yes, it's brilliant to have things like the World Cup success that the Matildas experienced this year. But my job is to make sure that once we get people, have that fire lit within them Mm -hmm. by our athletes, that they have a positive experience once they hit our local clubs.
1: And I suppose from a cricket perspective, nothing's lit the fire quite like the Australian men winning the World Cup, the women winning the World Cup in the T20 format.
0: Congratulations on the series win. A couple of days ago in India.
1: Indeed, yeah. as well. Uh, winning in India, no mean feat, and just having yeah. a very present male and female team concurrently both doing well, t- both at the, the peak of their powers. Uh, where did you take in the World Cup final? Everyone's got their own story watching it in the middle of the night.
0: Uh, well, I, I had hoped to be there. Um, I had hoped to be there, but in the end, um, I had to vote on, I, as the Federal Sports Minister, sit on the World Anti Doping Agency Executive Council. And that sounds like a hoot. Oh, it's a it's a real hootenanny, the <laughs> the uh, the wider executive council. So there were some votes, and because that sits in Montreal, the timing meant I started I started about midnight and punched through till about eight a.m. That mm-hmm. so I had been in Parliament. I was in Canberra. We'd done a full sitting day. It's Thursday. Um, I stuck around, watched the World Cup get going, watched the full match, took in the magnificent victory, watched every single piece of cellophane then get scooped back up on the lawn. <laughs> You know, the last of the, the last of the mowers came off, and we were still going at WADA right. and 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 we finished up at 9am. So I'm very grateful to our cricketers both for winning and for drinking up the celebrations. And even though the fireworks, I think perhaps were in the wrong colours.
1: Yes, yeah, so I think they were. <laughs> I think they might have assumed the result before putting their their firework display together
0: and there was only what 10% of the crowd left in the stands
1: if that it's a very
0: happy sports minister watching
1: at home I'm sure you were (laughs) watching in the office when we spoke at the Gabba last year you you were quite strident in your commentary around the Australian men's team having a voice and by that I mean expressing themselves publicly there's been a a well publicised example of that with Usman Khawaja before the start of this series and you were quite strong in your support of him as well
0: I was and I will continue to be. I mean, Uzi is a great Australian and he's not just a great leader for us on the pitch, he's a great leader for us off the pitch. And you only have to look at the Usman Khawaja Foundation and the kind of standing that he enjoys in our community to see the kind of things that he does. He's a considered an honourable person and I think you should take him seriously when he makes stands on things. So I backed him when he came out and, and I, know, I know plenty of others did. Um, but that's that's not a one-off because it's Usman Kowaja. To me, like you, no one of the things I've tried to carve out as the Federal Sports Minister is the right for athletes to have um, values and to stand up for those values when it matters to them. You know, one of the big, big, I don't know if it's an argument, maybe one shy of that discussion is, uh, you know, who profits from sport? And when these things, these big broadcast events, these big mega events are on TV, the athletes are the people that people turn on to watch. You know, it's their performance that people tune in for. So... I think it's disrespectful to treat them like chess pieces and just to move them around the board for the purposes and benefits of others without them even having the right to speak up when it matters to them. So certainly while I'm the sports minister, I will advocate for the right of athletes to have an opinion for that reason. And also for the reason this is their workplace and I believe in workplace rights for workers.
1: Right, so it's more about providing them with a platform to say what they think rather than necessarily agreeing with what they're saying. You're standing up for their right to say it in the first place.
0: That's right. I mean, and obviously there's, a, you know, there's nuance to this yeah. and this isn't a, a carte blanche, but I guess the, you know, my experience watching the government before us and particularly the Prime Minister Morrison, he used to say, keep the politics out of sport get politics out of sport. Which has know. always been
1: impossible right?
0: Well there's, there's more politics in sport yep. than, um, than politics I've observed often um, at least as much politics in sport as politics itself and the people that say we should get politics out of sport are the people who already have a platform mm-hmm. and the people who are already powerful and people who already have ways to influence things um, to their to their objectives they, they say that to, to um, deny other people that opportunity so I don't think that we should get the politics out of sport. I think we should acknowledge the fact that it's always existed there and we should allow everybody to speak up when, when it's when it's
1: right. Quite high profile instances of politics and sport colliding at yeah. the Olympic Games over the over the decades and that, well your hometown of Brisbane is set the host the Olympic Games of 2032 which Mm -hmm. cricket all things being equal will be part of it'll be involved in in Los Angeles development
0: for us last year
1: it is yeah well development for the country getting the games Brisbane the city but our sport too cricket so I mean you said you've been probed all day uh, around uh, that, I assume that <laughs> is in relation to the Gabba, which presumably will become the Olympic Stadium. Is that right? Well, I got hit
0: up in the lift coming to see you <laughs> about about where that was all up to. I think you know we we have the benefit more than any other host city of having been called so long in advance mm. that we have more run up time to prepare. Um, we should use that well. We've obviously just had a change of premier and responsible minister in the Queensland government, right. and ultimately both the GABA and any, you know, RNA proposition yep. are both decisions and um, bills that the Queensland government are going to have to pick up. So when I speak, I speak as a vice president of the Brisbane 2032 organising committee, who obviously oversees the whole shebang, um, and a sports minister who wants to make sure that we get the people elements of sport right. And I think what's probably interesting is that the, I mean, I actually um, met with the IOC maybe a week before they announced cricket for LA. And now it was so obvious to me what they were trying to hint and steer me towards when they were asking about what sports were we considering as as the 2032 um, additional sports. Um, Obviously the opportunity is to consider this in a fresh light, new premier, new minister, new sport that is a very likely proposition for the 2032 games and think holistically about what's best for both the games and for cricket. Um, and we would love to do that. We just obviously can't do that in isolation because politics is messy and this isn't about doing things in isolation. It's about considering them amongst the other competing interests.
1: Annika Wells, Federal Sports Minister, is with us on the coverage. Bad Light has continued to stop play here at the SCG, although I do know the development. Michael Goff has got the light meter out. I'm not sure whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Just my gut feel is that it's got a little bit better than when we came off, but there'll be a process that they go through and hopefully we'll be back soon where... Formally in the tea break for Bundaberg Ginger Beer, the, the great Australian brew uh, with Australia having made their way to two for 116 by the time the players went off about half an hour before the scheduled tea break. Labashane 23, Smith on six. You mentioned infrastructure, so the, the Gabba, the, the, the showgrounds project at Brisbane, which has also been raised and talked about quite a bit uh, of late when you were on our program last year. You also spoke about the Tasmanian AFL team, which has been moved to start later in the decade. And the the ground there and the, and the politics around that I mean from your sense uh, in your role as sports minister is everything on track down there for the <laughs> team to uh, begin when they're set to in keeping with the announcement that was made by the, the AFL and, and the governments of Tasmania and the Commonwealth earlier well I guess it was earlier 2023
0: that's right earlier 2023 now last year uh, yes as the sports minister I mean like a like I was saying, I I look after the people in sport, essentially. There's a bit of in and out around that, but I look after the people in sport. So I am very happy about it because we're going to get an extra women's team out of this. Yep. Um, and that was part and parcel of the, the social licence, I guess, to do it. Um, in terms of the infrastructure, it's just another project that Catherine King <laughs> is having mm-hmm. to manage alongside, alongside, alongside all of the other different projects that she's inherited, plus these new ones that we're putting online. It's serves an important place. I think no one would want to, desire, to deny Tasmania, the footy team that they have yearned for for so long. Is and there any there.
1: argy-bargy within the government around the, the stadium funding? I'm mindful these things tend to be controversial about what, where money's allocated, that, that parcel of money the federal government committed to last year. Everyone's on the same song sheet there.
0: Yeah, because, as you would have seen by the time the announcement came out and the detail was handed down, it isn't just a stadium. It's about the affordable housing and the precinct and the opportunities of the precinct. And for people like myself, the addition of a women's football team to contribute as a whole to what we're doing
1: for women in sport. So I'm just saying out in the middle here, the stumps have been taken out and I'm afraid to say the Hessian is being laid down. Mohammed Hafiz is the Pakistani director of cricket and coach on this trip is talking to Michael Goff. He's out there with... Richard Lingworth, Claire Polisak, the fourth umpire as well. So that would suggest there's a bit of rain in the air, although I must admit I can't, can't spot any rain. Uh, so it might be a precautionary measure, but it does hint at the light still being bad enough that we're going we're gonna to wait it out here at the SCG with, yes, Australia at two for 116, having resumed this morning at none for six. The wickets to fall. David Warner for 34 before lunch from the bowling of Salman in his final test match and Usman Khawaja, the one wicket to fall in that shortened middle session. Caught by Rizwan down the leg side from the bowling of Jamal for 47. The other big decision around sport in Australia last year was a decision to not proceed with the Commonwealth Games in 2026 in Victoria. Uh, Where are we up to on that? Is there still a chance of it being held in Australia or is this an open question from your perspective?
0: Well, it's... It's not my decision. In that, the hope for the Commonwealth Games, it is states that host them. So, right, yeah. um, obviously, you, you would have been following this closely. The Victorian government made a decision not. Mm-hmm. I was advised that day as well, like CGA, about that decision. Um, and then, when I sort of think, think about how can I contribute and what value do I add as federal sports minister, firstly, I sort of talk to our British counterparts to make sure that. You know, everything was smooth, and um, there wasn't any sort of repairing the relationship to do there. That was all fine.
1: Okay.
0: Um, and to make sure that our athletes don't miss out on the opportunities that they need in order to qualify for other things. Obviously, Con Games is an important qualifying event and opportunity for particular sports like netball, for example, that don't necessarily have. Um, and they've got a World Cup, but but other like other important qualifying international events and for our Paralympians the COM games are an important one too. Mm-hmm. So um, the benefit of the green and gold runway is that we have nearly 20 major events between now, some have now been held obviously like the Women's World the FIFA Women's World Cup between now and the Games. So the the runway and we keep adding events to the runway like the World Masters games in 2029 we added at the end very end of last year. Um, so those opportunities exist. And we need to make sure that the people are being looked after and that the things that help prepare people, both participation and grassroots through to high performance, all of those pillars I need to make sure are in place to make sure that we have a successful games outcome and that everybody feels that they've had a shot along the way.
1: Okay, pretty busy dance card for you then. That last question before we go to a break with the the big covers about to be rolled out across the square. That's the further bad news. Uh, the Hessians down and now the pitch is being covered up and, and the broader sheets are, are about to follow suit. Maybe the biggest cultural sporting event of the year might have been that bluey episode, you know, that cricket bluey oh. episode that uh, seems to have just cut through like nothing else. It, was it the it number cuts one? me
0: like nothing else. I cry every time I watch it, which is about every seven minutes at our house. Yeah, well, yeah,
1: well, 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 you've got three young kids, and, you know, as Rusty leaves the field and, and he's replaced by his older self, presumably going on to play a test match for Australia, I mean, that does cut through with kids. It, it's such a cultural phenomenon.
0: Mm, it, it It's such a powerful advertisement for the best, you know, not only participating in sport, but um, grassroots participation and, and what it actually looks like in backyards and suburbs mm. across Australia, I reckon. Like the the fact that, you know, the tree root or avoiding the kitchen window, um, it's, it's just, it just speaks to the experience of everyone, well, hopefully what everyone gets growing up. Though, I, I don't know about you, but I, I actually do choke up every time to the point where my children... Sort of say, "Mummy, let's not put cricket." On, oh, <laughs> don't, yeah, no. don't, I don't want you to cry. It's a very relatable. Like, I experience. love crying. Yeah, I that, love crying
1: at the <laughs> cricket. This <laughs> episode, I think crying to Bluey to, to <laughs> for parents is uh, yeah, uh, yeah, very relatable. And that, that episode, not least, uh, Minister Wells. Uh, we have to let you go. You've got places to be and people to see and all the rest of it. <laughs> Thank you for coming on SCN Test Cricket for a second summer. Let's do it again next summer. Let's
0: do let's do some actual commentary on some actual cricket. Let's next hope so. Summer. You could take a
1: few more wickets for Australia. It'd be my pleasure.